Hello and welcome to a special Halloween episode of The Good, The Bad and The Worst, a podcast where we got a movie series like a fish to discover which film did not abide by the rules. Joining me on this spooky day are... I'm Luke Morgan and I'm sorry, I'm the one who's been so selfish and self-absorbed with all this post-traumatic stress. And I'm Griner and I'm feeling a little woozy here. All right, so of course, to mark this time of year, we've got to do a horror trilogy, and so we're doing Scream, one of the uh, the greatest horror movies, maybe not franchises, uh, one of the most influential and significant properties I think ever made in the in the, in the genre. Wes Craven's return to form and reignition of a staple genre. Uh, before we get into it, I just want to ask you guys, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh boy, I'm not like I'm not much into the classics. I'm really not, and. Like, even to be honest, this is the first time I'd seen most of the Scream movies. But uh, have you guys seen... Oh, I mean, like, I'm a big fan of Get Out. I think Get Out is a fantastic thriller. Is it a scary movie? I don't know. Social thriller. Have you seen seen Hush? Yes. I really like that movie. I really love it. I think it's a really good slasher. It's very interesting, very unique, I think. Anything Mike Flanagan does, I'm there for, hey. Luke, what about you? So... I'm um I'm a bit of a, a scaredy cat when it comes to horror films. I avoided them most of my life. Uh, my wife does like them, so over the years I've started having to watch these films. Um, I brought up on a, another podcast that we did, on our only other horror trilogy that we've done. I really, really enjoyed the Fear Street movies. Um, I found them like a really good blend of this like pop culture, Stranger Things thing with that horror gore side to it as well um to the point that i was like oh, i could watch them again like they were i found them fun to watch um and definitely scream one fills that void as well for me uh, mm. but yeah I, like there's you know horror movies that have stuck with me i wouldn't say they're my favorite because they've, they've given me nightmares for like Trauma two size. years like <laughs> hereditary i cannot get yeah. over that movie um great, so great i have nightmares every two or three nights about that movie so that's definitely stuck with me more than any others, but yeah, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but yeah. Yeah, it's not a rewatchable film, Hereditary, is no. it? You, kinda, you see it once and you try to bury that deep in your subconscious. <laughs> yep. I think for me, my favorite is probably um, It Follows. Do you guys ever see that? Oh, yes. That's another one I bury deep in my subconscious. Yeah. The I tall just... dude in the hallway for some reason. Oh. I don't know why. Petrifying. No, it's great, great scene. Grant, did you say you haven't seen it? Or? No, I haven't. I haven't. I've heard it's good. It's I good. should watch it. Yeah, it's one of those ones came out got a got a lot of buzzes. Like a the same came out I think, in the same year as the Babadook, and there was these two sort of small horror films that came out that just kind of yep. reminded everyone that the genre was fantastic. And I think even though it didn't reignite anything in a way, it was kind of responsible for this sort of spate of great things like Get Out and Hereditary and kind of all these horror films that are a cut above standard. And like it follows just a really clever commentary on the genre in a similar way. Um, it's obviously all about how sex means death in horror, which is a very prevalent theme in these films. Mm. And yeah. just, yeah, really, like a really scary, really dread-inducing film, but also just really, I don't know, something about the film I could watch over and over again. It's like, it's very hypnotic. But um, And Randy's in that too, like ex- explaining the plot of how the movie and it follows <laughs> as well. It just pops up and he's like, hey, I'm Randy from Scream. <laughs> so with this movie. Did you know that in horror films there are rules? But um, yeah, it follows was terrifying, and the Babadook as well. I watched the Babadook. I did watch that, and yeah, traumatized my wife a lot. She was very scared of that, um, a lot more than me personally. But yeah, was she a mother at that point? 
um, new mother and mm. at the time <laughs> was, had anxiety about me going on. Uh, I was driving for work. Um, and so she always had this fear that like I would get into an accident and then the Babadook would haunt her. And like, I kept, I kept playing on it. I kept like at night, just be like, Babadook, Dook, Dook. And she'd freak out and it'd be great. You designed, designed a book and left it on a doorstep one day. <laughs> this will psych her out. Yep. <laughs> good, you're a, you're a good man. All right. Yep. What do we think of Scream? Grana, you've never seen these. Yeah, I mean, I, somehow I've seen Scream 4 and I saw it in the cinema, but I haven't, I never saw all of what? Scream. I don't know. I think it came out not long after I finished high school. I was a young man with a lot of money and a lot of time. And, you know, you go to the movies with your friends every weekend and you just see whatever's on. Um, I had definitely seen bits and pieces of Scream 1. Scream 1 is one of those movies that you can't avoid because it's been parodied by everything. I have seen the yeah. scary movie movies, so, uh, you know. I've seen I've seen the parodies of this to death, but I really enjoyed this. Um, I was kind of fascinated by the tone that these movies strike. Like they're so self aware of what they are, and they're this parody in a lot of ways. But it's not done for comedy. Like it does take itself seriously. I don't mm. think they're very scary movies, but I don't think slashes generally are particularly scary anyway, in my opinion. Um, but they can be very tense, and I think this movie has just such an interesting interesting tone about it like there's not many movies out there that do satire like this but don't play it just for comedy yeah i think you're i think you're totally right these films are kind of a like a perfect sort of combination of all those things and i think it's a reason why they've become like they reinvented the genre and why they've become so referenced like you say they just no one thought you could do it this way and then they did it and it's people still sort of try to achieve that but yeah it's pretty hard to do luke what did you think so I have um I have a unique history with this franchise and with Ghostface. So um when the first movie came out, obviously it was very popular um amongst teenagers. I feel like this was one of the first horror films that was like the cool thing for teenagers to go watch. Um I had two teenage brothers at the time. I was a very young kid and therefore Ghostface was the source of many nightmares and um scary nights <laughs> as a kid. My brothers would often run in the room with a glow in the dark, uh, glow in the dark ghost face mask, and scare me with a bloody knife. Um, when I was six or seven, and you know, I've only told my counselor up to this point in my life, but like it's, <laughs> I, I found Ghostface super scary for a long time and had avoided these movies for many years. Last year, my wife and I sat down and actually watched it again, uh, like her again and me for the first time. And we watched the first two, and um, yeah, I I kind of really like Screen One. It's um, it's great, and I did not know how meta, like Grana said, that these movies would be, and how self aware and almost apparent. Especially like it always confused me. I just I thought scary movies existed because they were a parody of Scream, but it's weird where Scream's almost a parody of itself. So it's yeah. like, it's kind of a weird play on that. Like it's doubling up on it in a weird way. But I haven't watched the scary movies, but I do want to now after watching all of these movies. So They're, they're, actually, they're actually not terrible. Like no, but, they, yes. they spawned a whole bunch of movie movies. Like do you remember Epic yeah. Movie? And they're all yeah, really uh, bad. But I think at yeah. least Scary Movie 1 has some value, I think. I think the first three are, are all really funny. Um, I think I, I'm not... So my... My uh, impression of these films, my first interaction was seeing Scary Movie back as a kid when I used to go to my grandparents' place and they didn't care what we rented. 
So it's like MA15 plus comedy. And I, it must have been in 2000 when the first scary movie came out. So I knew all about the imagery and everything. And I kind of knew about this plot from that. And I love those films. But similar to you, Luke, I have um, my older brother, as as I've mentioned on this podcast, and as Griner would know, I hope my whole family is a big horror family. My brother loved these films. And so one of my earliest memories must be when this film sort of just came out. So 96, 97, he was dressing up as Ghostface for like a Halloween party. Yeah. And me being being a little kid, little brother was kind of wanting to see what he was doing. He like turns around and like freaks me out and runs after me. <laughs> and that's like one of my that's one of my earliest memories that I have still. So it's Same. left an impression. Yep. Um, Same. Yeah. But I think yeah, Scream One is a fantastic film. Like I love it. I think it's so good. It's so clever. It's so valuable. I love just seeing Wes Craven get it because Wes Craven has got it many times. But he's also had a lot of flops in his career, so it's really exciting. And yeah, it's like I think Scream One and even the whole franchise kind of made horror. It brought horror into the postmodern era, where there was an awareness of hey, we are, this is a film you're watching. The film's got a purpose, right? It has to. It's designed to scare you, so there's tropes it's playing on. It builds tension. It creates these things that it knows what it is. It's not trying to pretend to be something else. It knows it's going to scare you, and so it's played to that strength. And to see Scream kind of say, hey, this we can do this. You don't have to be cheesy or bad, or you can actually just do this well. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, you don't have to, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but I think it's just for the generation that's seen so much horror and it goes, okay, now we're actually watching horror movies rather than films trying to get at horror. I'm like, yeah. so Scream's not actually that scary, but it's it's fun. And a lot of horror movies, I think, are fun more than anything else. I think it's got the whole relatability thing of like these people have seen scary movies. These people have seen the scary movies we have. So they like, they have instincts to do stuff that we yell at the screen when we're watching horror movies, which I mean, I even did it watching these films. (laughs) So I'm like, don't go back in there. Just walk (laughs) outside. Um, But yeah, like it's, um, (laughs) there's, they're so 90s. There's a lot of nostalgia in these movies. Um, yeah. Some of them are so 2000s. There's a lot of Creed in some of them. And it's like... <laughs> yeah, Creed's like great... the anthem in number two. <laughs> I know. And it's it's a great look into those years. But um, yeah, it's they're classics. And I feel like watching Scream 1, even, like last year for the first time, it felt unique in a weird way. Like mm. it was kind of refresh, refreshing to watch it mm. in that... Um, especially like the twist at the end and we'll get to it later. Like I just, yeah, I don't know. I find it interesting how the, the villains are played out in that. And I think it's different than your traditional horror films and it makes it a comedy, but also like has some scary or gory stuff more like, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll talk about when we get to the first one, but the opening scene is like pure horror and it's, it's phenomenal. Um, some of the best like filmmaking ever put to celluloid, but, we will talk about that, I'm sure, at the end, yep. unless somebody wants to say it's um, not the best film. But, hey, we'll come to that. Do you guys want some stats? Let's do it. Yes. Stats, 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 stats. We get the stats dance on video, finally. Yes, it's what finally a, there. What a thrill. All right, so Scream, made in 1996, to a budget of $15 million, made $173 Meta um, score of 65 Scream 2 made one year later in 1997, budget of $24 million, made $173 million as well, Metascore of 63. Scream 3 in 2000, budget of $40 million, only made $161 million. Its Metascore is 56. And Scream 4 comes later in 2011, budget of $40 million, only made $97 million, uh, Metascore of 52. 
Mm. And then, of course, Scream 5 comes next year, which is I'm very excited for. Um, and I'm super shocked that they're still making Scream films. But do, do, you feel like, do you feel like the fact that this Scream 1 has spawned so many sequels, when when it came out, it was kind of fighting against the fact that there's so many sequels and that like movie, scare, scare, horror movies have become tired a little bit? We get this yeah. refreshing new movie, but now they've just done sequel after sequel after sequel. Uh, yes and no. Uh, Luke, what do you think? It it feels funny and ironic watching the third one now for the first time, which like I've watched this week for the first time ever, and like all the talk about it being the finale, like anything goes, this is yeah. the end. This arc is coming to an end knowing that you have a fourth one to watch after this and knowing that the trailer for the fifth one's just come out. Um, mm. And I know they did take a big break and it was the end for a long time, but like they just couldn't help themselves. Like they just got to go back to the well again. And it's, yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited for the new one though, but yep. yeah, it's, um, it's become and it is funny. It's funny in number four where it's like they're, watched, they're up to stab seven. And <laughs> so it's clearly just like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's become the store franchise, right? It's yeah. just, and it's like the third one has time travel, and that's the worst. So I think they're fully aware that they've kind of become that beast, and they're like, yeah. we don't want to be. But but at the same time, Kevin Williamson, the guy who wrote one, two, and four, um, and I think the new one as well, but I could be wrong. He um, he envisioned it as a trilogy originally, so I think he was conscious of making it as that. But I don't know how much of it was he just had an idea, and after the success of the first one, um, you know, it came through from there. Yeah. But yeah, it's. I mean, I think the third one suffers a bit from being a third film, even though it's trying to be clever, but we, we can talk to that too. Um, just quickly, so a lot of the creative team as well behind this are the same. All one, two, three, and four are all directed by Wes Craven. Um, the fifth one won't be because Craven unfortunately died in 2015, which is really sad. Oh, I uh, realise that. Yeah. So this is, Scream 4 was his last film, actually. Um, one, two, and four are all written by Kevin Williamson. Number three was written by a guy named Aaron Kruger. And then they've all got the same sort of recurring cast. So all the, all the characters who survive come back in these films. There's no replacements. There's no just kind of random. So, you know, Dewey's not here and no one's going to talk about it. So, no, they're all here. Um, so, you know, he's got Neve Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and even Roger Jackson was the voice of all of them. Like, it's, yeah. it's yeah. fascinating that they're all, like, you know, it feels weird that, like, Courtney Cox will be in number five. And, like, it's it seems like below her in a weird way, like, Obviously, she's not doing much, but she has. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's. No, but you know, I know she's, she's got that friends she money. Though days. she doesn't need to do anything. She's got ever friends again, money. No. It's like Jerry Seinfeld's not going to show up in any like small time movie. Like she doesn't need to work again. He's so scream the first cinematic universe. Is that what's happened? Yeah, <laughs> I think though, like back. interesting what you say. Like scream, I don't think is a small film. Like scream is. Like we said, it's everyone knows it. Everything is inspired by it. Everything has replicated it. Like Scream is a big, it's one of the last big franchises, I think. Sort of, you know, franchises have all died and we're kind of replaced by Marvel and a handful of hanger-ons. Scream is kind of like, yep. Is it? But is it low? Because the fourth one bombed. And it's like, it didn't bomb. It was not nearly as successful, yeah. But how will five go? I'm interested to see how five goes, especially like compared to like Halloween Kills. Um, that's coming out, mm. like how, because it's doing really well at the box office at the moment. I'm interested to see how Scream Fire goes. Like, yeah, my well, instinct I, says it'll be good, but I don't know. I do think we're at a point in um in cinema history where 
horror is now like again really profitable. So it's as this genre always does these weird slopes. And so when this film, when the first one came out in '96, horror was in this weird spot where most horror films being made were sequels. So you had you know Jace, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Nine. Yeah. And then you had a lot of really bad direct-to-video horrors and stuff. And there was no real in-between. You had a handful of others, but most of them were sequels or crap. And then this yeah. came out, rebooted horror, essentially. A lot of good ones. You, know, you had, like, um, I Know What You Did Last Summer come out. You had a lot of the teen horror films, sort of that phenomenon for a while. And yeah. then around about the 2010s, horror got a bit more tired again. And I think that's part of the reason why Scream 4 didn't do too well, because it just wasn't quite the draw. Yeah, but now over the past few years, we've really sort of seen that horror actually is one of the only like non-superhero or big blockbuster films that brings people to the cinema. People still pay money, like for Halloween Kills, like a sequel to a sequel to a film made in the eighties, right? Like that. Yeah, it's kind of obscure, but people still go and see it. So I reckon Scream Five will actually do really well. Horror, horror yeah. is often considered like one of those genres that is almost always profitable, like. Even the smaller movies, they can be made for a small budget and they end up being profitable. It's yeah. just an interesting thing that seems to happen. It is. And I think with like Get Out and Ari Aster's stuff, everyone's like, wow, look at these phenomenal films. Horrors are really, can be a really great genre. So it's getting more respect. But um, I will see. It might end up being the worst film of all time. Who knows? Does it deserve to be a quadrilogy or soon to be quintology? <laughs> Qu- quintilogy, whatever the hell five is. Quintuplets. Um, Could it be quintuplets of screen? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is the first time I've we've said no in the on this podcast. But like, it, it, it. I don't know. It, it becomes what it hates. Like watching one again. Like I said earlier, it still feels unique. And I'm like, oh, that's such a cool twist at the end. And it's like got this thing, in, and then it just two. Oh, it's done it again. And then three does it again and it's just i don't know it's i don't think it, it does i think scream right now if you would come out like this week and there was a trailer for the sequel to scream and it had all the cast back that would be crazy and i think that would bring bo- big box office numbers instead of all the scream sequels and everything like that it's sort of it doesn't have the name or power that i think it did once before but that's me yeah i agree like yeah it's just like I like one. I think two. I think two is a decent sequel. Oh, we're getting a bit into the judging here, but I just think it really loses it after that. It loses a lot of the things that make one and two charming. Um, I've got a hot take, man, about opinion. this this series. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, we will we will. Well, that's something I want to mention before we do start to rank it. I think it does work. I think this film can, this franchise can sort of continue because each of them are able to sort of comment on where the horror genre is at the moment so four is obviously commenting on the nature of remakes at a time where like i said horrors are still kind of getting a bit stale and i i don't know what number five is going to do but like two's commenting on the sequel problem three's commenting on the the meta thing and i think just in the 90s everything was being made into a film there was that boom of like just try to make anything you can do anything that's popular beat that horse to death so even though three is probably not the greatest film I think it's still clever in what it's trying to say on the on the general industry, especially like its commentary on Hollywood as a place where you know, like evil people are working. Um, and we'll mention something more on that in a second. But I think it it is the kind of thing every ten years you can check in with Scream and be like, "What's going on in the horror genre? Oh, this is it. Okay, we're inundated with you know something, and they just sort of make a film that." Mm, 
metally recognizes that. Yeah, and that would be interesting, but they didn't do that. I feel like they did four screen movies. They did three screen movies in, I feel like, five or six years. Like, it's not like they're checking in again, like, hey, it's horror's taking a turn. Let's do a film commenting on this. Like, I feel like they're running it horror into the ground. Like, I feel like they're like constantly going back to it for for money. It's not like this. But thing. I think like I a sequel, a sequel comes out straight away, right? Sequels don't usually take 10 years to come out. So a sequel straight after the first one makes sense. The third one was three years after, which again, most things, while it's a hot property. And I feel like the yeah. remake took 11 years. And so if the, if the fifth one is kind of like a reboot remake again, I think that fits. Um, yeah, I guess so. But is it a reboot? We'll we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to I, see. Know, but... I think I don't think three has much to say at all, in my opinion. Honestly, I think, and I'm not I sure. Love that, three, I'm not sure four does either. But anyway, okay, okay. So just before, like, we'll get into it. But because I was blown away when now I know we like you guys like to go off Metacritic. I'm the Rotten Tomatoes guy. I'll just quickly mention the Rotten Tomatoes score. I did write them down because I knew you would. Um. So Scream One, seventy nine percent. Scream 2, 81%. Scream 3, 40%. And Scream 4, 60%. Mind Mind blown. How is Scream 2 higher than Scream 1? Exactly. I'm blown away by that. That's the only part of that list that's wrong, though, in my opinion. (laughs) Oh, but it's... Oh, okay. I'm excited to hear what Luke says. Um, I I think we... Before we get into it, I just want to mention real quick, it's worth noting, these films produced by Miramax. Miramax, obviously, the Weinstein Company's um, thing they ran. Rose McGowan's in the first one, and Rose McGowan was one of the first people to accuse accuse Harvey Weinstein of his now... uh, His his laundry list of crimes. Yep. So I don't think it's really worth spending a lot of time on that. You, You can... Everyone sort of already knows it, but it is just worth noting that, you know, these huge films that did a lot for the genre were unfortunately made by a company with a monster at the head of them. But it's scarier yeah. than all the movies. And it's why three, I think, has a lot more interesting value now where they're like, there's all these monsters working in Hollywood. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's fitting. At the time, maybe not, but right now it's like, yeah, that's that's tricky. All right, Conan, um, ask the question. First things first. Can I talk real <laughs> quick? These films have stacked casts, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. ridiculous. Even, like, I don't know, we'll get into it, I guess, but Drew, like, killing off Drew Barrymore in the first five minutes of the first movie is, like, I mean, it's the classic now, but it's... Such a baller move. It's such a baller move. It works really well. And then, like, number two just, I feel like, ups the cast of, like, people you know from the 90s. Like, you get Sarah yeah. Michelle Gellar. You, like, just get so many people. Yeah. They just cram them all into this movie and kill off yeah, a lot of them, too. Yeah. It's crazy. I wrote it down like really quick here. So the second one, you got Jada Pinkett pre her Will Smith days, yeah. Heather Graham, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Timothy Oliphant, Joshua Jackson, Jerry O'Connor, Portia de Rossi, Luke Wilson. Like, yeah, like a variable who's who, right? And some of those people are only in there to like parody characters from the first one. Like Luke Wilson as Billy Lewis is so good, but he's like yeah. only in there for the tiniest little bit. It's, and so it's I do. Heather, Heather Graham's Drew Barrymore. Yeah. So she has yeah. one scene, and it's like, that's. Oh, I love it. It's just, it's crazy. It's kind of these weird snapshots of like who's big and who's up and coming of Hollywood at the time. And everyone who's in the scene is like, yep, we're in screen. Yep. Um, No, it's kind of fascinating to watch and just be like, oh my God, she's in it too. Oh, he's in it now. Like it's, it's, it's impressive. And it's, it's, yeah. Blows my mind. All right. Uh, Dennis Franz. Who does he play? I think he, I think he replaces Henry Winkler. 
Yeah. Man, I would love. Man, Henry Winkler, he's a character. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'd like to see Dennis Friends as, as him, especially him being like, "What you deserve is to have your insides ripped out." And I'm like, man, <laughs> I've had principals say that to me. You know, like, I've had principals do that to me, and yeah, it's quite terrifying. Put him, threaten you with blades. That's not good. No. Give him, give him the role of Cotton. Give him a role in almost all the movies. I want to see him over and over again. This, this man that seduced Sydney's mum. Oh, there's something so off-putting about that. <laughs> Especially in the first one, you see just that one shot of Liam Schreiber. <laughs> so if yeah. you saw one shot of Dennis Franz yeah. getting taken away, like, oh, what? <laughs> That'd be that's, unbelievable. That's but, a good pick. Yeah. And then him just being obsessed with, like, his 15 minutes of fame for the yep. next the next movie, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be uh, great. We're very harsh on Dennis Franz. He's a treasure, though. Comes from a place of love. I didn't realise that. The, the Simpsons did it first. If you go back and watch seasons yeah. four and five of Simpsons, they he, Dennis Franz is in every dodgy role. Yeah. And I, for some reason, and he we, get, the Simpsons copied, like worked out what we were doing ahead of time, apparently. It's like we watched The Simpsons a lot and we're inspired by it. Maybe. Maybe Simpsons. that's what it Sim- was. No, Simpsons just predicted the future. They predicted the future. this podcast. They predicted yeah. that we would have this segment. Well, I mean, that's the thing. NYPD Blue was actually a really big show. <laughs> and Dennis Franz obviously was Sipowitz on there. So it's like, I think I just don't realize how much, how many people knew him. But anyway. Um, all right. Wooden Spoon, worst film. Luke, entertain us <laughs> with a hot take. Screen all right. Time. So I have a, a bit of a hot take with this, which I did not think was going to be a hot take until I looked at the Rotten Tomato scores and found out that um, everyone is as wrong as I thought they were. Um, I think easily Scream 2 is the worst of all four of these movies. Really? Justify yes. that statement somehow. Um, okay. Number one, main reason, Jerry O'Connell singing. Bad. That's my number one reason we... for why it's a good movie. Do we, no. do we, do we want to just relive that moment yeah. now? Yeah, can we, can we oh, listen to that? Do we have to? New sex. Derek. I Don't. think I love you. Don't do this. I think I love you. Isn't that what life is made of? No, it worries me to say. Say, oh. Timothy Oliphant's too good for this movie. Yeah. He is. He really is. <laughs> what is Jerry O'Connell wearing? Like, who wears those pants? Yeah. Oh, that's awful. See, if... The cops that are in here, they would shoot him on site yeah, if he was yeah. doing this. The thing is, <laughs> so, for crimes against I, music. I, I got that clip. It goes on for another, like, two minutes. I know, exactly. <laughs> so there we go. We can move to the wow. next category because I've proven my point. No, <laughs> that that scene's very cringe. Um, okay. Bad. The thing about two. Now, obviously, I think three is quite bad as well. Um, I find two very unmemorable. Like, I like the college aesthetic. I just i I watched it last year, and coming to watch it again, I was just like, "Oh, that's right, that happened. That's right, that's." Right. I don't remember anything from it. And then after watching all four and thinking back on the four of them, I was like, "Oh, two. Which one? Oh, okay, yeah, that was that." I just I find it not that memorable. I don't like the whole storyline um, with Billy Loomis's mum. I don't like mm. her being involved. Timothy Oliphant. He's amazing in everything he does, and I love that man. And I, I like that he's in the movie, and he almost sways me just being in that movie. But great. I don't know. I just 
I feel kind like, of weird that he's I feel a killer. Like, I feel like Randy's death is very unearned, and it's just like I feel like that's a major thing. I feel like I thought watching it that he would be there with the main cast through a couple of the movie, like through, through at least the trilogy. But that's and then, that's the great thing about it, right? You think that because he's in the first one, he survives, and he's like, "Oh, I'm a virgin." Like, this is a good thing, <laughs> and it turns out. And then, because I was the same, I was like, "Randy's going to be in the whole thing." Yeah, and then it's like they pull the rug out from under you. I get that, but I think the way he was killed, it was just like, okay, did he actually die? Oh, okay, he did die. It didn't feel yeah, as he stabbed several times. <laughs> yeah, but mean? like I don't know, you, you see the blood dripping out of the van. Like, I still had this thought, I was like, when I first watched it, I was like, is he the killer? Like, is he just, I don't know, is it this, like, orchestrated thing? I just feel like his death doesn't have this thing where you're like, I remember his death scene. Like, he gets pulled into a van and stabbed, and it's like, it's not earned, um, it's not memorable, and I know that's not, a, like, a reason to just make this the worst of the whole series. <laughs> but, I don't know, I just, I find the whole thing, like, I do like um, Timothy Oliphant. But even just even now, but even now, like I'm just I'm struggling to remember much about the movie. Like I just I find it like it, it just has the sequel problem of like we're just trying to do this again. Um, but what's the okay? The, the opening's the cinema. First of all, there's no cinema that that that's that chaotic, man. That's there's, it, that's... there's like. People running around. It's not that chaotic. People don't act like that at cinemas. It's it's so it's unrealistic. A, it's a pre. It's a special screening, and you've clearly never been to the you know Saw two and Saw three opening. Have you ever been to like a Rocky Horror Picture Show where everybody gets dressed up and they? Yeah, there's, there's some nuts. movies where they take like tomatoes and throw them at the screen. I can't remember what it is, but like these movies in the exist. room. Yeah, to the room. Right. They give you spoons, and like you, they they give you bags at the door, and like you throw spoons. Yeah, and it's, it's the thing. So by the end of it, you're covered in plastic spoons for no apparent reason. Yeah, that opening is so good though. Like as she gets onto the stage and she's like, "Let's out this howl," and everything kind of, kind of settles, and you realize what's happened. Ah, haunting. Omar, Omar Epps getting stabbed through the ear. Oh, he's so brutal. <laughs> so it is brutal. Look, three, three is really bad as well. Like as, as far as I'm concerned, three can easily win this as well. But I found myself, I don't know, more intrigued and and a bit more. Who is the killer? I. In number three, I really was like, who done it? Like, I swore, I could have sworn it was the cop. Like, the whole time I was like, no, it's the cop. You oh, know? It's a classic they, red herring, man. They play on that. They play on it. Like, yeah. I love these movies for their... Movie, they do. But in number two, I was like, it's going to be Timothy Oliphant. And oh, it's... No, I'm being, I'm being serious. I'm being, you, you I thought think it was, was him. For a second? No. And I knew it was the weird reporter. Like me no, personally, I, call, I, call, I didn't I know it was that. Billy Loomis's mother. I didn't know that, but the reporter, I was like, it's going to be her. Like she's, it's it's weird. They just introduced this character, like, oh, she's the new Gail Weathers, blah blah blah. But I don't know. I just found it too predictable. It's the only ending where I wasn't like, oh my god, it's that person. So it didn't have that shock to me. Like I was like, yeah, okay, I, I saw that coming. I don't but, think I'll ever. I don't think I'll ever believe you. I don't think you caught it at all. <laughs> no, I, I can't agree with that either. I think. I think, like, two carries on the movie, uh, like, that these characters love movies and these characters know all the movies. Like, you, you, I don't know. You've got the fun film class scene at the start where they're talking yep, about sequels. Yep. It, it could almost be, this, like, the start of this podcast. Like, 
They had, they had a big fight about aliens being better than Alien, T2 better than, being better so, than Terminator. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's so, a lot yeah. of fun there. It's basically really our podcast. That. It is. It is. Yeah. Again, they stole our ideas in the future. Yeah. Um, and I think that they play up on the, the sequel problems and they actually see that through as like tropes within the movie. And I think that's fun. And I think 3 doesn't do any of that. I think 3, I thought 3 was a real letdown. Um, how do you guys feel about being, there being only one killer? Does that spoil it a little bit for you? You don't no. care about that? I don't know. I feel like Scream has to have two killers. I feel like there should be always two killers. But as, and I'm, I'm just going to quote one of the rules here. All the rules around the window? Yeah, I didn't write the quote down, but exactly. <laughs> Nothing is sacred. Anything can happen, man. Anything goes. But then that, yep. also, one that, that also involves rewriting it, the whole history, which I realize is part of the, what, the rules, but... I just think making him her half brother is such a <laughs> it's such a shitty way to introduce a character but and then make them important. It's totally the point though, right? Because it's it like it's reinventing the past, and it's it's, it's like classic a thing of like just, yeah, just pointing out that something is it's bad so and then also doing it doesn't make it good. That's true. Um, I mean, you're right. You can't just yeah, you can't point out a problem and then continue to do that problem. I don't know. I think I think three is fun. Um, I kind of like the whole Hollywood angle of it. It's like, obviously, like, yeah, I don't know. I just, there's something about three that I think is more memorable. Um, I like, yeah, I like the whole Hollywood aspect aspect of it. Don't like the ghost mum. That's a bit creepy, but, um, but yeah. I think three, like, so for me, one of the best scenes in two is like when, um, Dewey and, and Courtney Cox, I can't remember what her character, Gail, uh, running yeah. running around in the in like the soundproof booth booth area. Yeah. It's such a good scene. And then they try and do a similar thing in three with the, the one way mirror. And I just don't think it's anywhere near as good. Like I think the kills in two are so much better than three. I could have an I could have the argument three and four being the worst, but I I don't think two's in there at all. No, I won't hear four being the worst. I think four's great. Um yeah. I, I yeah, sorry, continue. I'll just say it, man. I, I find it really weird. I find like Cotton Weary. He seem man. He really, really wants this fifteen minutes of fame. <laughs> he like he's so like not. he's literally pointing her down with a gun, and you know he is contemplating like, yeah, okay, maybe we'll let her die, and then I can ha- be a bit famous on TV. Okay. Mm. Oh, you'll you'll do an interview on sixty minutes. Boom. Okay. Cool. Solved. Like it. It feels like I don't know. You, you, yeah. Can- Cotton Weary is not a great character in that. It's kind of like it's it's like pure satire though, because it's kind of it's commenting on that fact where you know, like America's obsession with true crime and with violence, and where you know yeah. people love and like you see it more time to time. Like I thought of Nightcrawler watching it. How spoilers for Nightcrawler, Jake Gyllenhaal ends up orchest- like killing people or orchestrating these things because he wants to see the violence and because he's so obsessed. And it's kind of the same. Cotton Weary is so obsessed with being famous for being a victim. It's like he'll become a killer to be a victim. And it is kind of ridiculous, but I think that's just the point. It's it's satirizing that kind of that element. I mean, to your point, Luke, like number two, I think is probably the least memorable. Mm. But I do think it's a better film than number three. I think three is way too cutesy in my mind. Um, and it's just it's not scary. It's very funny. Like there's not really any. I don't remember any moment in three where I'm like, there's actually any genuine tension or scare. It's really like because it's a film of. It's a film of a film of a film. So it's really like, I'm just watching this. I know exactly that. I don't know. It just, it felt to me like I'm too aware of what's going on and I'm more, I'm just waiting for it to happen rather than any sort of real tension or interest. And how many times do people survive a gunshot from like a 
bulletproof vest or like I just feel like there's a That's whole true. lot of like oh, I don't know. And I know they they throw that out in the rules too. Oh, the, the killer's not going to be stopped by a simple bullet. It just oh, I don't know. But man, I, okay, I will say in three, like she knows he's got a bulletproof vest on, and then she still like stabs him, and it's just like oh mm. he's I'm sure he's dead. I'm sure he's dead. But um, I will say yeah. two and Timothy Oliphant um has possibly I don't know why I find it the funniest has the funniest comeback to life thing where he just gets up like <laughs> like screaming <laughs> before getting like, shot to death again <laughs> like it's so dramatic yeah. and it just yeah. um cracks me up every time but yeah I mean his whole motivation's kind of stupid though it is like oh I want to get caught so then we can blame it on the movies and get do this lawsuit doesn't make yeah. any sense at all. No, it's just weird, and I, I I like the I like the mother being involved because it's really playing on like the Friday the Thirteenth, um, like the first one, yeah. Jason Voorhees' mother's yeah. the killer, and so I really like this whole and like you know obviously Psycho vibes as well of the mother doing it for the child, like it's just playing on that trope, and I find that really fun. Yeah, Riley, did you have something to say? No, unless you want to hear Jerry <laughs> singing again. No, I'm good. <laughs> Please, God, no. So, Griner, why is yeah. two better than three? I mean, I've told you my reasons, but I just, I like, I think three is a weaker movie. I just enjoyed two a lot more. Like, I think two, like, plays on these characters knowing the movie tropes, knowing about, like, what happens in sequels, knowing about what happens in horror movies. And I don't think they do that very well in three. Like, I think it's at, off to the side. They opinion. do bring Randy back on a video. They do. <laughs> which is great. Which is <laughs> explain the trilogy. Yeah. And explain that Me? he wasn't a virgin. <laughs> I love that scene. It's like 15 minutes. It's my room too. Yeah. Um, what do we? Why do we think Rotten Tomatoes has it at 82% over the first one? What could honestly? I don't know why. It's definitely not better than the first because one, and Rotten that's Tomatoes why. Is a flawed system for reviewing things. My man. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I keep learning this harsh lesson, but uh, oh, I can't believe teaching this. Teaching you this lesson. <laughs> listen, yeah. I can't believe it's so much, it's higher than the first one. Like it blows it's, my mind. Yeah, it's really weird. And the, um, I like I know three is bad as well, but I don't think three is forty percent to Scream Two is eighty two percent. Like I don't think that's yeah. as dramatic. I agree. I I think it's. I don't think any of these films are bad. I like them all. Um, I think forty percent is a bit too harsh. Mm. But are we gonna are we gonna say three is the worst? That's my opinion. Like I, I agree. I can dig it. I, I get it. I get why three is the worst. So. All right. Um, we're just gonna have to live with Jerry O'Connell for a while. Yep. Who is to blame then? Grana. But, yeah, Grana. What are you? What's your? I. No, I think Grana's to blame. Yeah, that's no, my fault. <laughs> no, I like not saying number two. I really felt like only having one killer. Was was weak. Like I really felt like that. Like I feel like Scream have should have two killers. I don't know what it is. I just wow. think it's more interesting. I think I think the killer in three, his motivation is just really dumb. Like introducing him, him as the half brother out of nowhere. And I know they're playing on the on the on the trilogy tropes, but I still think are. it's dumb. I still think it's really dumb. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have a great solution for this one. It it gives you all the backs like I don't know it's it's that forced backstory that they yeah. just chuck in to be like this explains a bunch of things and actually what we said in the first one about Billy and Stu just killing her it's it's more deeper than that because we need another another explanation for this to happen um, but I don't know 
man, that rug kill would not happen. The way he pulls the rug and the guy like flips on the end of the rug and breaks his neck on the ground. Like (laughs) Ghostface is strong as hell to do that rug like a cartoon and a guy on the other end of the rug to flip over. Scott Foley's jacked. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, Can I just say, and this trips me out, even in the first one, and I, I remember watching it for the first time last year, and having this same comment when like the photo of um, Sydney's mother popped up and when she pops up in number three again, man, all I see is Matthew Lillard. Is it just me? I, f- I feel like she looks exactly <laughs> like it looks like Matthew Lillard to me, like so much just with like a wig on that maybe I was convinced the, it was, but I don't know. Maybe that was the original plot for number three that Matthew Lillard was actually her brother. Maybe it'll come third- out in Scream 5. Maybe because the third film wasn't written by Kevin Williams, it was written by his other guy. Um, He's done so that's where I would, yeah, he did uh, some of the Transformers films, which are you know, Hollywood classics. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, he's obviously to blame for that. He doesn't have the he doesn't know the thing, but maybe that was the original, yeah, the original idea just to really make it incestuous and weird. Um, it's interesting as well in an interview Matthew Lillard gave, he talked about how Wes Craven like found these films really stressful because he felt with each one. He had to make like a another unique sort of like phenomenon rather than just making sequels. And judging by this discussion, he didn't achieve that with two and three at all. So sorry, Wes, but I think it's <laughs> he funny. He didn't like, impress us. No, he didn't impress these three Australian dudes in twenty twenty one. No, but it, I think that's an interesting. I, I I kind of feel that, and I feel that plight because you make the first film that is so sort of unique and revolutionary in a way. And the sequel is expecting to up that and be like, okay, we want to see that. And you always see that, right? Sequels are always meant to be bigger, better improvements, or they're just, they're considered failures. Yeah. And and so it's kind of tricky. Like, I do respect that he tried to make three unique films. Like, the first one's high school. The second one is a college film. The third one is a Hollywood film. And the fourth one's a remake. But sort of with that in mind, like, yeah, you can see why you would try so hard and it kind of just, I don't know, it would be really tough to make each one just great, so yeah. Did you know they only had um Neve Campbell for like fifteen days of filming or something in Scream Three? That's the really? other, that's the other thing about it. Like she's she's very much she she's does seem a secondary character in that movie. Um, that's that it's true. Like I, I noticed halfway through I was like, She's not really in it much or we haven't checked in with her for a while. Like she's just sitting at the police station. I didn't know that like so that explains yeah. that. And so like a lot of the you know, the exposition falls on, on Dewey and, and Gail. How do you guys feel about them in general? Man. They did in real life, so yeah, I know. there's something, some magic there. I didn't know David Arquette acted as well. So <laughs> what a, what a, That's a little reference to the fact that he's now a full-blown professional wrestler that does death matches. What? Yeah, that's how David Arquette in 2021 is known as the deathmatch professional wrestler. It's, it was his wrestler? dream growing up. So he, that's what he does as a career now, and he's coming out of that to do Scream 5. Hopefully, maybe his acting's better because he's been doing and acting the, all the time, which is known as yeah. the strong acting source, and the Rock, Tyler John is. Cena. Um, but, yeah, no, he's, like, full-on extreme, like, barbed wire ropes, like, smashing tubes over each other's heads and, like, exploding <laughs> rings. Like, he gets the crap beat out of him, like, and wasn't respected for a long time in the wrestling world because people were like, ah, oh. there was this whole thing in the 90s where he was brought in by promotion when he was like a famous actor and he won their mm. championship. So it was always like a joke that he was a champion at one time in WCW. And yep. then 
he really loved the business. So in recent years, he trained and now he does it, does it in front of like crowds of like 20 or 30 people, like in gyms. Like he just, on the indies, man, he's like an indie wrestler and gets way wow. up bad, man. <laughs> that's, prob- that's probably why he's doing Scream 5, right? Because he's like, he I can't keep just doing this. Money. I need some money. <laughs> all, those, all those injuries he's pretending to have in Scream 2, he actually has now in Scream 4. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder now, yeah. He's like, your limp your limp looks really good now. He's like, yeah, that's just <laughs> so, it's part of the job now. Yep. That's, I had no idea. I mean, yeah, he's, I don't think David Arquette's great in these films. Like, uh, I think this character is who he can play because yeah, he, he's saved by being that character, right? Like, he's like yeah. actually brain damaged in Scream One, though. Like, he's actually stupid. <laughs> Legit, yeah. <laughs> so again, like with Scary Movie, how he's played by Officer Doofy. Yeah, and I, I can't separate that now. Whenever I see Dewey, I'm like, oh, it it totally is. He's just such. A... You're right. Yeah, there's like there's clearly an injury there, and some of the dumb stuff he says. Oh. It, uh, it's kind of funny though in one like that his sister keeps like mocking him and he's like mom said when i'm wearing the badge you have to respect me <laughs> you got to respect don't talk to me like that in front of everyone <laughs> yeah. she scolds him in front of all the office but um, yeah like he's not a great actor um no. but he's believable in this because i feel yeah. like this is what he's maybe like in real life i don't know but yeah 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 he's saved by having to being able to it's like you know you get Arnie playing the Terminator. It's like, well, of course he can do that. You get yeah. David Arquette playing someone who can't really do anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just so crazy. He's a wrestler. I had no idea. I'm, yeah. I'm more excited to see him in Scream 5 now. Oh, man. He'll he'll have that Mickey Rourke energy. Yeah. Did you watch the trailer? He's got the beard. He's like, he looks like he's washed up, man. He's like. See, the trailer looks a lot darker than the others. Like, it actually looks like a. Because, yeah, he's kind of like sitting there. You're right. He looks grizzled and washed up. Like. It doesn't look like it's got any sort of humor, so I'm really curious to see what they do with it. If they go for like a full-on dark reboot, or because but can I say like thank God because I didn't want to see like sixty-year-old David Arquette being like goofy Dewey, like (laughs) hopping around and like crashing on Courtney Cox, especially since they got divorced like fifteen years ago. It'd be a bit awkward. (laughs) But I'll I'll be interested to see what they're. Obviously, they were divorced long before Scream Four was done, and they were in some scenes together like that with that but i'm interested to see their chemistry in five so yeah grana were you a fan or of their of their chemistry on screen i think they do kind of work in an awkward way but yeah i'm not the biggest fan of david arquette courtney <laughs> cox is even not that exciting she's fine but she's not no and this film catches her at a really interesting time right like she's i think it was season three or four of friends was um had aired when this first came out so she's kind of like already riding high on that so she is really famous but she's trying to sort of you know, not be typecast as yeah. is it is it Monica? Is that who she yeah. plays? Yeah. yeah. So she's trying to avoid that, and so she intentionally takes this like unpleasant role. He gets punched in the face. Yeah. And yeah, she's not she's not remarkable, but she is like I like Gail Weathers, and like I like her Especially performance in, in one. This. I think like yeah. Gail yeah. Weathers is the classic reporter in like number one. You know, I think that's like yeah. an iconic. I only watched it last year, but I feel like that's like an iconic character. You know, yeah. But, like out to get the story, we're like willing to do sort of anything for the story. It's yeah. like it kind yeah. of seems trite now, but I think yeah, it, it probably partially because of this. Doesn't she say like we could catch a murderer or stop a murder? Do you know what that would do for like my book sale numbers or something yeah. like that? She yeah. says like it's it's exactly. great, but <laughs> she's so fickle. I do like their back and forth. Where every every movie they're kind of like not really together again. Yeah, 
but then yeah. they are, and they, they sort of re-fall in love again. I, I like them. Oh, they're Ross and Rachel. And that's the greatest part in number two, where they talk about who's going to play Dewey in in the movie Stab, and he's like, they're going to get David Schwimmer for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Some of the best. That's, that's cinema right there. That's good yeah. writing. Man. Yeah. Who deserved better? You can say overall here, or we, we just talk Scream 3. Courtney Cox's hair deserves better. Oh, Dude, three, yes. Shocking, yeah. It's Dude. the worst thing I've ever seen. Okay. My wife made sure that I mentioned her fringe in number three, <laughs> like so the butchered mine. fringe. It's so strange. It's <laughs> so strange. And 100% the who deserve better category. She was like, that. Yeah. And yeah. 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 I think like, um, the no biggest massacre in this series was her, what her hairdresser did to her in Scream 3. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that fringe, it's, it's really... Really bad. It's rough. It's oh, real rough. Crazy. It's crazy. Um, I was. I had written down David Arquette arguably deserved worse because he's not a good actor, <laughs> and I think he really he really did become like a bit of a big thing after this. Um, yeah. And I, I don't get why. See, it's and so then, funny because he's in Friends too. Like he shows up in Friends and plays basically the same character again, crushing on Monica. Like it's um obviously like they were together in real life, but. It's it's Dewey in Friends again, yeah. um, but I need he's more like Dewey a in that one. Um, who deserve better, Timothy Oliphant, man? Yeah, true. I, I, I think he's he's good in this, and he gets like he gets a lot right. He's he does. He is the killer, and this he is does, why I'm getting I feel his like, career. I feel like it's sort of just like he doesn't get much until he's the killer, and then he gets like his monologue and stuff like that. I didn't That's feel. True. Him- He's present throughout the movie that much, as much as Matthew Lillard and all that were constant, and Billy Loomis were these constant things throughout number one. He was always in the background. But he's kind of like the Randy character in a way. He's always sort of hanging out with the group, and he's always kind of trying to get, offer bits of advice and help here. And he's like, there's never a moment that's on him, but he's just kind of like a constant. He's like a constant in the friendship group, which um, I don't know. Like his career, this is still really early on, so he hasn't. He wasn't a big name. He wasn't a big draw at all. Um, so mm-hmm. it's fitting. It, it makes sort of sense to have this smaller role do what it does. But, um, I mean, I always want more Timothy Oliphant. So. But, I mean, my, like my answer would be Randy because Randy, like I said, touched on earlier, but this, this, that's for Scream 2 because he was killed off in Scream 2. I think he deserved to get to the trilogy. Like I think he deserved – I would have much rather see him there being like this is like all bets are off, like anything can happen in this one. Um, mm. not even the virgins are safe, you know, or something like that. <laughs> Instead of just getting the video, like to, which I, I I like the video as well, but yeah, yeah, I just I think he deserves better. Yeah, I, I kind of missed him in three. I think he's a part of why I don't like three as much. Um, yeah, the song I think I love you. I think it deserved better. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah, no one, no did. one could listen to that anymore. I deserve better. Um, but. Man, they should have had Randy come back in Scream 4 with like another video. He's like, and just in case something happens again down the line, <laughs> I like, not, it's I, not just a trilogy. It's true. Like Randy is the MVP of these films, I think. And I do really miss that he's not in it. It would have been great if you're right. He just keeps on like finding videotapes or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, he was really prepared for this stuff. And in case you do a reboot 20 years from now, yeah. these are the rules. <laughs> oh, I think it's a bit too late for that. Unfortunately, he uh, doesn't look... It looks like, like he would have probably aged since then. Yeah, I don't know if we got. Yeah. yeah, what do we what do we think of Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard? Um, I'm a skater. I like Skeet. I think he's actually pretty cool. <laughs> he's pretty good. 
Um, and I think his career kind of didn't do much, unfortunately. No, it didn't. And yeah, I think um, I think they're fantastic. Like, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a Matthew Lillard fan, but I think he's hilarious. Um, what is it you like of his? Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. Um, like Shaggy. Like yeah, well that 100 percent before I watched Scream last year. Shaggy is what Matthew Lillard was to me. Um, no, for sure. Watching, watching Scooby-Doo now will be a bit of a darker twist. But, um, like, I don't know. I think him and Billy Loomis um, are great at the end of one. Like, that final act, yeah. I think they're hilarious. Like, I, I think there's him, so many lines. Is so, like, unintentionally so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He is literally crazy in that last scene. It's, he's there's so many really lines. It's just like, oh, like, yeah. Um, I just I love the stuff like uh oh man my mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me <laughs> like he's like, he's just like drooling everywhere is yeah he he's a mess oh, he's bleeding it's so, out it's so bad <laughs> oh you hit me I with the doing... phone you dick but <laughs> <laughs> wait there's more yeah. oh god it's so it's he's so unhinged ridiculous. and it's great yeah, but I think um Billy Loomis. I keep forgetting the actor's name because I didn't know it before you mentioned it Skeet a second Ulrich. ago. Um, mm. He's great. I, I find him really creepy, like as that like charming sort of serial Norman Bates esque sort of character. Um, yeah, he's got that like that Jeffrey Dahmer energy. He's he's pretty handsome, but he's kind of looks like he could be a crackhead and just yeah. shake at any moment. Like a hundred percent. Like when I first watched the movie. At the start, I was like, oh, he's the killer, you know, and then, like, there's the subversion, and I was like, oh, who could it be? And then when he comes yeah. again at the end to be evil, um, it's, yeah, it's great, and I think he plays that really creepy-like, so, yeah, mm. they're great. They're fantastic. Yeah, what else did he do after this? I don't not know. Not much. I think there was talk at some point of him being the next big thing, right? But I don't, it never worked yeah. out. It never happened. That's yeah, he really was sort of slated to be like the next big Hollywood star, kind of like in the Johnny Depp sort of vein. Like, yeah, sort of pretty boy but good actor. But um, yeah, I don't know too much about his thing, but he, it just never happened. Like, he was in that show Jericho. If you guys ever watched that, yeah, I didn't, but I wanted to. I really liked that. Um, just because I like Fallout stuff, and he's in that, and he's really good in it. He's a solid leading man, and then yeah, you know, did a stint on Law and Order LA TV movies, like really just. Just faded into obscurity. He's he's on Riverdale now. The um, oh yeah, the oh, the Netflix okay. show. And so I, I think he's trying to go through sort of that you know renaissance. Yeah. Uh, um, I will yeah, just say yeah. on Scream Three while we're talking about it. Um, I touched on it earlier, but like the movie is so two thousand. Like you know, it has just Creed playing like unironically, <laughs> and I didn't realize when it first started playing. I was like, oh my god, it's Creed, and then mm. it clicked a second later. I was like. Of course it is. It's like made in 2000. I was like, of course, yeah. or 2001. I was like, of course Creed's there. There's Creed posters mm. on the wall. Yeah, so Sydney has one on the wall. And I'm like, wow, people bought Creed posters. <laughs> yeah, they that did, man. I was one of them. Um, <laughs> and just like, especially like Jay and Silent Bob showing up, yeah. you know, like There's for like a cameo. I, I love it. I love that part it's, so much. But it's, yeah, it's such um, it's such a moment in time, I feel like, of that Actually, that time in cinema. Yeah. And that's a World War Three can't be the worst. It has Carrie Fisher in it. True. Exactly. It does have Carrie Fisher in it. All right. Um, pretending like, everything now. Yeah, pretending she's a lookalike of Carrie Fisher. That's in Star Wars. That seems so great. It's great because <laughs> she's like not like you know 
I don't know her much out of Star Wars, obviously. So when she mm. pops up, like I didn't even like it didn't click at first. And I was like, my it's... wife who was first, like, oh my god, it's her. And I was like, wait. And I was like, oh my god, it is like it's and yeah. they've got her in a like she's made up in a way that she doesn't she looks not like she's looks a bit different. Mm. And yeah. so it is intentional. Is this actually Carrie Fisher or yeah. so they, I think they play on that a bit, but yeah, it's so it's just such a great little like five minutes. Oh. And it's um it's kind of funny as well because when we we're watching Scream Four, like my wife and I had like five minutes. We we're like, "Is that Heather Graham, the cop?" Yeah, because she looks like Heather Graham. Oh but yeah, yeah. No, the cop in the fourth one, and we we're like, "Wait, yeah, minute, um, Heather Graham definitely. was in the earlier Scream movie playing yeah. Drew Barrymore, <laughs> but it's not Heather Graham in this." Oh, one. I know. I I the same thought. I was like, "Geez, that looks a lot like her." Mm. Yeah, exactly. Right. But yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I guess quick fix. How do we? I don't know. If, have we covered this or not? Really? I don't think anyone has a solution, right? Don't grind it. Is it, just add a, is it just add a second killer? Yeah, that's for me. That's all I need. No. Wait, I, so if there's a second killer, this wins over two? Or... Keep Randy alive so he can hang out at number three and give us a yeah. second killer. Make him the second killer. He could. It, it feels like he almost has to be at some point. And they talk about it in the first one, right? He's like, I should be the killer. Yeah. And they kind of intentionally don't have him be. So it would I be a nice thing. He's like... You're right. And he's like, if this was a movie, I would be the prime suspect. You're right yep. to suspect me. Like, <laughs> Randy's so great. Good. My yeah. boy deserved better. He did. Look, I I feel like his death in number two is needed because it really does just shock you. Go, wow, no one is safe. But yeah, it also hurts me because, yeah, I want Randy in my life. I just want to be friends with Randy. I think he'd be great. Yeah. Um. All right. Before we get to the obvious pick for which one's the best, Scream 4, Granny, you don't like it. No, I do. I just like Scream 2 better, I think. Yeah. But it was surprisingly good and like surprisingly good for a fourth movie too. And a mm, movie that like mm. introduces a bunch of new characters. Um, yep. I think it does it that reasonably well. I think it modernizes things pretty well too. Like, you know, they're, they're talking about like streaming things online and stuff like that when that was probably not, not the biggest thing back then. Um, no, yeah. But they sort of... It is know, funny. And they mentioned they mentioned Twitter in it, and like in 2011, I didn't even realize Twitter was a thing, but I think it was, was just starting early to... days. Twitter yeah, was it early was early days in 2011, starting to gain some traction. So it's like it was it did have its finger on the pulse, like it knew sort of what was going on and had a sense of what was coming. Um, I really liked Screen Four and the Three Watch. I think I actually enjoyed it more than Two and Three. Um, yep, I'm with you. And it's I rather Scream, Scream Four, Scream Three, then Scream Two, in my opinion. Switch but two or three rounds that I'm probably with the you. Bottom two, like I'm um, either or. Like honestly, take Jerry O'Connell out singing and two two pips three for me. But <laughs> Master, masterpiece. <laughs> but um, I I really enjoyed four. I actually I really did enjoy four. Um, mm. again, like we touched on earlier with like a cast list. It's like oh Hayden Panettiere is in yeah. here. Like my my um, girl. You know, it's like it's it's great. You got Macaulay Culkin's brother. <laughs> like it's um. Like a much better actor. Rory Culkin is tops. Yeah. Rory yeah. and Kieran are way better than Macaulay. Both great actors, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, like quite good. And yeah. I I liked I liked the ending in four. I liked the twist. Um hmm. and I think, I, I think I, Emma Roberts is really good. I think yeah. she's really good in this movie too. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't see that didn't see that coming. Like I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't see no. Colkin being the killer either. In like a weird way, I kept being like, "Is it Hayden Benetieri or is it like I don't know?" But, um, and this is what I think I loved about so much because they're intentionally doing like Colkin is the Randy of this era. Yeah. Yes. And obviously Emma Roberts is Sydney. 
So you've got sort of like the two heroes who there, and you, you can sort of assume, okay, maybe there might be some reveals, but you just you do not expect it because it's a remake. You're expecting Sydney to pass on the mantle to sort of there be this like, yeah, I know this catharsis and the sharing of her experience with her cousin, which would be really nice as a way for her to to resolve all these issues. And you think that like you just assume that he Colkin will be okay because it's like no, he's he's the brandy. He's we need him here. He's lovable. And yeah. then yeah, it's just like no, let's double down. They're both involved. Ah, like, oh, that's. Yeah, especially when like Emma Roberts' mum gets killed, it's like it's sort yeah. of like a, oh, well, that's yeah, that's uh, kind of um throws you off the scent a bit with yeah. that. Um, and so I'd seen it. Like, I was gonna say, and like it, it genuinely shocked me when like um Hayden's character goes out to him strapped mm. to the chair, you know, and he turns on. I'm like, oh my god! I was like, what? Yeah. Was not expecting so- that at all. Yeah, see, I still remembered that Emma Roberts was the killer. And so I was like, yeah, it's, it's her in the end. But I, I couldn't remember that there was a second or who it was. And so when that happened again, I was like, oh, shit, it's Culkin again, man. <laughs> yeah. They got me twice. And he brutally kills his best friend too. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's what, live streaming that too. It's, it's intense, man. Mm. What do you guys think of the, um, the double false opening? Is it, isn't it a triple false opening? <laughs> it happens. It's more than double, isn't it? I think there's I think three. It's only three. I think there's... Technically, three, three openings. Yeah. Two only, Yeah, because there's the there's the first one, um, and, and then the has second Kristen one. Kristen Bell watching it. Yeah, and then yeah. Kristen Bell to... kills her. So Kristen Bell and um, what's the face? Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then it's like, yeah, so it does that, and then it does it. I think a third time, and that's when you've got the the proper one. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. But even like two minutes into the proper one, I was like, is this going to be a fake out again? <laughs> yeah. I was like, is it? I don't know. It seems like this, but yeah. um. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny, and it, I guess it's just playing on the whole stab seven, stab eight. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And then they talk a lot about that. They're like, "What does this mean for the timeline?" They're like, "Well, if you know, stab seven is the beginning of stab six. Is stab six is the beginning of stab five? And I'm like, well, you got to understand, stab four had time travel and doesn't yeah. really make sense. <laughs> yeah, it's like I want to see the time travel. Me too. <laughs> We're getting it in Scream Five. Randy yeah. comes back. Yeah, my you watch. Boy. Yeah. Or he goes forwards in time, and Timothy and, Elephant, just because I want him back again with a cowboy hat. Yeah, <laughs> from the wrong universe. Okay. Oh, whoops. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking over here. Okay, cool. You've got Alice. Which film Brie in there is your? Uh, oh yeah, oh, dude, Alison Brie. Yeah, of course. Um, that's she's four, awesome. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, four. Because Sydney's written the book. Um, yeah, and she's thrown out the window. Thrown it out yeah. of the car park, which is brutal. But... Pretty brutal, yeah. Yeah, no, she's all yeah. It's such a yeah. It's a crazy. All these films just have crazy cut. You got the two cops, um, Anthony Anderson and Adam oh. Brody. Yeah, yeah. They're just like the ultimate like every guy. You've seen them in every second film. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, always is the oh. um the com- like comedic people sort of thing. But um, yeah. I do love like even they're like oh wait a minute no, I'll go on the walk because then what if they get. Gouge your eyes out, and well, <laughs> I come back and you're dead. And uh, uh, but it seems like man, those cops were never there, like they were, they're outside, and then all of a sudden the ghost face is in there, and the cops aren't there or in their car or something like that. It's just cops in these movies are completely useless, yep, except yeah, for Joey, kind of by accident. <laughs> I mean, the amount of times he just doesn't. The best part's in number three when, um, they what are the ghost face like throws the knife at him and he hits him with their handle, yeah. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, really, you're, the the most, you're the most useless piece of crap. Yeah. Anyway, 
And I'll, right. we'll just, I'll just say again, yep. let's go back to three, just about this guy having everybody's voice being able to be changed in on the on the little recorder thing. He can mimic uh, everybody's yes, voice. That sucked. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think know. that's pretty, that's pretty, pretty bad. bad. I don't know if that technology existed in 2000. It doesn't really exist now. No. <laughs> it's not several hours of computer thinking. time. I mean, we've got deep fakes, right? So I'm like, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief for that. But back in the day. Not in 2011, no. Especially not when it's like that she's he's got um Sydney's dead mum. Like, mm. how the hell did that happen? Anyway. All right. Do we talk about Scream One? Yeah, Unless someone wants to cut someone wants to do a Scream style twist and say, actually, Scream One is the worst and I set you up. Mm, what a twist. I'm actually Macaulay Culkin's fourth brother. No. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> um Scream One. What a film. I like it's What's um, a spay? It deserves a lot better than Scream 2 does on Rotten Tomatoes. That's for, for damn yeah, sure. It's true. So strange. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoy this. Like I said earlier, I watched this for the first time ever last year, but it feels iconic to me. Like it feels classic and the opening scene is amazing. Like it, it's, I know that scene, not seen it all, like all them years. Yeah. But like watching it and just a phone call and like everything all the way to the like the opening title, it's like it's we, iconic. It's classic. Can we can we watch and listen to that it's, real it's quick? Just, it's a short bit of it, but let's do it. This is some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Um, Halloween. You know the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters. Good choice. Good choice. Drew Barrymore. She's she's really good in this scene too. Like it's um, she is. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a good scene. It's it's so classic. Like how many times have we heard, Do you like scary movies? Like everybody yeah. does that quote. And the whole time yeah. you're kinda of like screaming, like, just hang up the phone, don't talk to him, get out of there. <laughs> and they're really playing into that trope, right? Like of the, the person not doing the thing you think they should, and it's yeah, no, it's it's really good. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so great. And like just little things like um you've got the popcorn there, yep. sort of gradually getting bigger and bigger. So there's kind of like Tense. this it's like the tension building. Yeah, this tick this ticking clock of like how long is it gonna go for? And you are okay, this is happening over like, you know, a few minutes because that's how long it takes to pop the corn. Um and then like super gory as well. Yeah. You see her boyfriend get cut it, and it's like it, every time I see that it shocks me because it is so visceral. Yeah. And I kind of forget like in these films that are kind of funny and that have some have a silly bone. There's just this like hardcore gore. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like it's it's such an iconic opening. And I feel like um Drew Barrymore getting like killed. Um, I think it's one of the most powerful kills in the whole series. Her oh, yeah. running up and seeing her parents walking into the house and her yeah. trying to say mum and she can't, mm. like, because of her throat being cut. Yeah. Yep. Is like heartbreaking. And man, it feels brutal. Like she's right there. Can't like her, you know, if her mum turns, she could see her, yeah, and mm. then she's just getting stabbed like in her yard. It's brutal, yeah. And then obviously, um, the parents' reaction where he's like, Go, like, go down the road, call such and such, and walking out and seeing her on the like hanging on the tree mm. is like freaky as hell and like yeah. gutted. Um, it goes into the whole like, uh, very nostalgia horror of like does like lightning sounds and like like you know it's like mm, very mm. scare horror sort of thing but it is genuinely terrifying and it's such a thrill like thrilling opening yeah 
not great directions. Like you've just noticed that your house has been broken into and there's blood and you're like, okay, run outside into the darkness and go to a neighbor. There's obviously someone who's going to like probably kill you. So what anyway, but um, the part that always gets me watching it is how she's getting dragged away and the parents are on the phone and they're like, we can hear and her. can hear her. And it's, oh. like, it's like, it's really heart-wrenching and like really yep. like harrowing. And she's just kind of like, uh, it's like, holy yeah. shit, that's... Like, like they can hear their daughter's final breaths and it's yeah. heartbreaking, man. And it it hits you. It hits you. Yeah, it really like it actually doesn't like heart. It's, it's proper emotion. I'm like, I always forget that sound. I'm like, wow, it's... It's, you know, again, Wes Craven just knows it's how to do horror, man. And honestly... No other kill comes close for the rest of the series, though. I no. feel like that's it's the no, most powerful, really. yeah. like, wow, like that, like heavy kill, like uh, kill. We but I think that's the second. I think that's the wise choice. Like, I don't think it's good to try to ever up that. Like, the opening scene should always set set the mood for the whole film, and the yeah. way they do it, like they make that first scene perfect. Like, you know, it's like the perfect opening scene of a film, and they're like, this we can't get better because we've achieved perfection here. We've completely set the scene. We we horrify you. We make you laugh. We tell you that we're about. We're a horror film that's about horror films. No one's safe because Drew Barrymore gets killed. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're never going to get a kill as good as that because it's just, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Can so, I ask, do we ever get a motive for killing Drew Barrymore at the start then? I mean, they kill a lot of people for no reason, but that one always stands out as like, why did they kill them too? It didn't, like, that. there's the little comment about how she dumped Stu, like Stu, Matthew Lillard's character. Oh, is that? Oh yeah, and because they're like, yeah. didn't you date her? And he's like, yeah, for like two days. And, yeah, then, and everyone's like, but then she dumped you. And he's like, like he like deflects it, like, no, she didn't. Like I dumped mm. her, sort of thing. So uh, yeah, it's kind of the big thing that at the end they're like, what's the motive? And you know, they're kind of like having no, they say no, having no motive is scarier than having yeah. a motive. Yeah, but then and they then, give them a motive. Well, yeah, and then they kind of riff on, it and they're like, you know, lack of sex, and your mother's a whore. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and so it's kind of how much of that is true, how much of it is just, um, yeah, it's like why is Matthew Lillard involved? Like he clearly doesn't have any, because it wasn't, because Billy's mum, Billy's dad slept with Sydney's mum. Yeah. Whereas. It, well, he's clearly unhinged. He's just there for the killing. I yeah. Think. He just <laughs> deranged. Just nuts. Oh, no, but hey, he says peer pressure. Yeah. He's yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah. why are you doing it? Peer pressure. Yeah. I forget the full line, but oh, it's hilarious. And I guess it's kind of ripping on that, just the, you know, like the hottest girl in school, the cheerleader gets killed in horror films. And so Drew Barrymore is obviously kind of that energy. So yeah, I guess you're right. There is a leap of like why specifically her, but it Man. just, I don't, I, I don't care. I never want to be like, that's a plot hole. And it's like, kill Drew oh, Barrymore. Look, if you're cause... looking for plot holes in the screen movies, you're going to find them. But I was just, <laughs> it was the one, I don't know. They, they go out of their way to give a motive in the end, even though they're like, oh, no motive is scarier. But that one yeah. always struck me as, but maybe you're right. No, well, originally when they were, they were writing, there wasn't really a clear one. They yeah. were never, they couldn't figure out which, if they should have one or shouldn't. So they ended up just putting them both in, which I kind of like because you like, it could actually go either way. Maybe he's just, you know, blood drunk and rambling. Maybe he's legit. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think they do that because they have this whole thing of like, everyone has a motive. Like, like they'd sort of tease the whodunit in every movie about every character. Mm. You could feel like, oh, is it that person? Like I ask that several times each movie. I'm like. Is it that person? No, it's got to be that person. No, it's, you watch, it'll be this person. Okay, well, no, it's not yeah. that person. It's, yeah. Well, like with the scissors with Henry, Henry Winkler, they're like, they're teasing yeah. it's like, is he yeah. killing all the kids? I know. Henry That's Winkler don't mess around, man. <laughs> he don't mess oh, around. He's like... No, he's for what? He expels those kids? <laughs> um, I, I will say, like... 
before it um before it's revealed that Billy Loomis is like an actual murderer and like a really bad person, man, that whole scene like in the hallway at the school where he's basically being like, yeah, we haven't had sex for a while. Like you haven't been the same since your mum was brutally raped and murdered like a year ago. <laughs> and and he's like, he literally says, it's been a year. It's like yeah. time to get over that. Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh man, it's like, it's so, it's so, um, um Yeah. Oh, it's so horrible. And what's her head quotes? Like, I'm sorry, my trauma is inconvenient for you. And it's like, yeah. that's pretty, pretty accurate. <laughs> what a dick. Yep. Uh, and, but then even like when, um, before they, uh, do it at the, in the final, like in the third act, like she, she says the scene that I, I said at the, um, at the start of the podcast, like, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I've been so selfish and like self absorbed mm. with all this post traumatic stress. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it feels so, I don't, like, it feels so like, comedy like written but it's not it's like it's yeah. like it's uh teenage love but yeah um horrible. yeah it's it's got a great soundtrack um number one then i feel like they just played like the same songs throughout like the next two movies though um mm. but number one has a great soundtrack and like you know they really blast them 90 songs yeah. um every couple scenes but yeah it's really great soundtrack no for sure so granny sorry you'd never seen this yeah no. Well, no. I'm pretty sure I hadn't. I didn't remember most of it if I had okay. seen it. Like, I'd seen bits and pieces, I think. Definitely had seen okay. four. But... Yeah. Also, obviously, you liked, like, I just want you to tell me about your experience. You were blown away by it or you were like, yeah, it's fine. You know, I, like, I really enjoyed it. Like, horror movies aren't my thing really. But, um, yeah, like I said at the start, like, the um, the way they strike this balance between knowing exactly what they are and parodying horror movies and then also creating all this tension and creating a genuinely decent slasher um, is just really incredible. And like, uh, yeah, the reveal, like the killer reveal at the end is the other scene that really stands out to me like that. Like Matthew Lillard just going off his tree. Like he's just <laughs> loopy in those final scenes. It's so good. Um, do we do we have that final yeah, reveal? We, do, we have some of it, yeah. Oh, no. What's the matter, Sydney? You look like you've seen a ghost. <laughs> Why are you It's all part of the game, Sydney. So guess how I'm gonna die! Fuck you! No, 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 no. We already played that game, remember? <laughs> you lost. It's a fun game, Sydney. See, we ask you a question, and if you get it wrong, Booker! You die. <laughs> get it right? Booker! You're crazy, oh. Booker. Actually, we prefer the term psychotic. We'll never get away with this. <laughs> I don't know. Tell that to Cotton. Matthew Lillard is so strange. When believe how easy he was to frame. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> no! Oh, where are you going? <laughs> oh, gosh. Why did you kill my mother? Why? Why? Yeah, that's too. I think she wants a motive. Hmm. I don't really believe in motive, Sid. I mean, did Norman Bates have a motive? No. Did they ever really decide why Hannibal Lecter liked to eat people? Don't think so. See, it's a lot scarier when there's no motive, Sid. But let me give you a motive. Did your mom a favor, Sid? That woman was yeah. a slutbag whore who flashed her shit all over town like she was Sharon Stone or something. Yeah, I would put her out of her misery. Because let's face it, Sydney, your mother was no Sharon no Stone. No Sharon Stone. Hmm. Hmm. Not a great, not a great motive. 
No, no. So, yeah, maybe doesn't hold up. But I don't know. I feel like those two are just really compelling in that final scene. Like, it's um, it's good. It's really, really good. And, and you're right. Like, having two killers was, was such, like, a huge revelation, especially when you see, you obviously see him get killed. Yeah. We think he gets killed and he's covered in blood. It's like, oh, crap. That's I've been misdirected. Yeah, I've been misdirected this whole time because it's yep. obviously playing pretty heavily into it that it is him. And then it just it doubles down and goes, no, we've actually, it's a twist on a twist. And it's like, oh, that, you know, just kind of like you start to figure it out. It's like, oh, that's how so much happened. That's how they were able to always sort of be around the house and hunting someone. That's how they were able to play this game so well. be on the well. phone at the same time and yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really clever choice. And it kind of, I don't know if it really shaped a lot from there, but I just was like a really great staple. Like, look what you can do. You can have this stuff going. You don't need to have Jason Voorhees with a machete just walking through everybody. It's like you can have, and even having them as like clumsy killers, like you see them like Rose McGowan kicks them heaps and almost gets out of the garage. Yeah. Every time when they kind of like stumble over and get stuck in a door. It's like, they're not unstoppable. They're really no. just. They're teenage boys. <laughs> they're just. Yeah. Like, they're just trying to, trying to kill people. That That's oh. the thing. When I first watched it last year, I remember, like, in that opening scene, being like, oh, my God, this is, like, a great opening and everything. But I had that moment where I was like, oh, I was like, I f- don't feel like the kill is that threatening because, man, he, he's just, like, stumbling around. Like, she's, like, kicking him. He's, like, falling over. I'm like, mm. it's kind of a klutz. I'm like, it's he doesn't. Clumsy, and just yeah. the way, like, even the stuff, like, he says on the phone, like, the way he reacts, like, all anger, angry. Like, it didn't. What I sort of expected over these years was, like, oh, it's this, like, really chilling phone call. And then, mm. like, how he just gets all, like, angry and like oh gotcha like a fish like i'm yeah. like oh, i wasn't expecting that the first time i watched it so it's like okay it's just this unhinged dude who's really unco yep. as well and he's just like getting his ass handed to him and you know but um then it makes sense obviously with the, the ending twist and it, it all mm. makes it all great sort of thing and again it kind of it marked that turning point where horror films stopped having like these supernatural villains who were just even if they had a motive that was kind of larger than life it's like no you can just have a some dude is a serial killer or anyone can do this. You don't need to have like supernaturality. It's just, um, you know, it's scarier being the kid next door and that becomes horror for the next like 10 years, pretty much. There is just creepy kids at school. Yep. <laughs> We're a bit psychotic. Just one bad day away from. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of iconic stuff. Like how do you guys like the rules? I think it's probably the second most iconic thing of these films. Yeah. Right. That's no, good. It's good. Like, it's it's a lot of fun for them to set them up, and then you kind of see them broken. Like mm. obviously, she's not a virgin at the end of the movie, and like yep. yeah, it's just it's good. I like. It's well done. I think so, there's a lot a lot of great recognition of like this is how it's going to go, and here's how we don't have to do that though. Like so, yeah, she's not a virgin, so she should die. But you know, we can break rules as much as enforce them. Because yeah. they also, they also do great things like um, Sydney mentions in that phone call with the killer. She's like, oh, horror movies are all the same, you know. Some idiots running upstairs when she should be running out the front door, and then yep. she locks the front door. And as soon as she has to escape, she can't, so she has to run upstairs. Run up the stairs, yeah. As uh, like, that's great. So it's sticking to the rule, but for a proper reason. Like, it's just there's such yeah. a clever awareness of how how to play to every strength and how when to subvert it, when not to. Um, yeah, yeah. The rules are a great way of like, here's just so everyone's on the even play field. So like, okay, how am I going to get tricked by this? How are they going to outsmart me? How can I yeah. sort of predict what's coming? And then the double killer is like, yeah, you're right. They can do that. I didn't expect it, but I, it's completely makes sense. And um, yeah. One one of the only rules, I think, in all four of the movies that never gets broken and is like a firm rule is the fact that the killer always jumps up after you think they're dead. 
you have to kill them again. Yeah. So yeah. there's always the final just the killer just launching to their feet and being like yeah. and getting shot em- again. Emma Roberts is pretty great in the fourth one. She's like, ah. yeah. <laughs> she just like shoots her in the face. Can we um can we play those rules, producer Grant? Sure. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. <laughs> Sex equals death, okay? Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. No, the sin factor. It's a sin. It's an extension of number one. And number Here three, comes the best Matthew never, Lillard. ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> You see, you push the laws and you end up dead. Okay, I'll see you in the kitchen with a knife. What? Why do I feel like that was you, Conan, at parties? Because <laughs> look, it kind of was, all right. I, I was. I always wanted to work at a video store. I was always the one who yep. was like, we're, "I'm living a horror film." You're always yep. telling people being promiscuous, right? Yeah, basically, I'd go to a party and I'd be like, "Stop having sex, you're gonna die." Yep, you'd walk in. God is watching, and just be like, "Hey, we're all <laughs> like watching." It's like you want to die, guys. Come on. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to run through the other ones real quick. So the rules to this screen two or a sequel, the body count's always bigger. Death scenes are much more elaborate. Never assume the killer is dead. I think it does all those things, right? I don't know if it's yeah. that or much wrong? more elaborate. No. Is screen two the one with the where they get stuck in the cop car and the killer's unconscious? Yeah. Yeah, for like 10 minutes and they crawl yeah. over. I like that scene, take actually. The mask. Do you? I didn't. I don't like that they don't take the sense, mask off. Yeah. That's... But I like the whole just the slow like can we climb over if they're unconscious? Oh, no, I thought the yeah, worst tense. They, but I just kept yelling, "Take the damn mask off!" Yeah, yeah no, you're right. That part that did bug me. A screen yeah. three trilogies deal with something we thought was true but wasn't. So the killer is superhuman. Anyone can die, including the protagonist, and the past will bite you in the ass. The killer's not superhuman in number three. He is more is than a... the others though. Like he's less clumsy. Like I don't think he trips over anything or anything like that. And he also has like the bulletproof vest on. True. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's how yeah, they okay. do it. Yeah, right. That's that makes sense actually. And there's also like, like the fact that he kind of is moving the same way when there was two killers, but it's only one dude. Yeah, that's a good point actually. You're right. So they, yeah, they kind of trick you there. That's all right. good point. You've convinced me. In Scream Four, um, the opening sequence has to blow you away. It's the reverse of the original rules apply, so only gay people survive. Um, and then there's always a third act bloodbath. And then funnily enough, it's kind of gone the other way where like black people and gay people are sort of the two ones that always die in horror films now. So it's like at once they were safe, they're kind of playing it off again. So we'll yeah. see how it goes with Scream 5, how they update those rules. But I do I do find it funny that the guy's like, wait, you can't kill me. I'm gay. If, yeah. if, if that counts, like if that matters. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. And, he, and the killer like stops because, you know, it's Colkin and he like stops yeah. for a second and then he, he kills his friend anyway. Yeah, there's a moment. Oh, it's brutal. It's, it's real good. Um, he's like, wait, are you? Shit. Does that mean I can kill you? No, I'll kill you anyway. <laughs> he's committed to the part, yeah. Yep. Nah. Yeah. It's great, yeah. I see, like, it's things like that, like the um the double killer reveal, the rules, all this stuff is, like, really sort of gave a a roadmap to horror. So, be like, okay, here's what we can do now. We don't have to keep doing sequels to Summer Camp Slashes. We don't have to keep just doing, you know, Gremlins 4, where there's this weird monster or this you know, Charles play all these sort of like schlocky horror films that weren't scary. It's like, we can just do, you know, there's rules now. We know there is actually genre tropes that everyone's accepted. 
So it's like a new way. It's like a new language to make horror, really. And I think it's yeah, this film kind of more than any really revives it for the next for the twenty first century. Which, as a horror fan, I'm incredibly thankful for. Yeah. Um. All right. I just want to say, with Scream Five coming out, mm. why is there still landlines? Who has landline phones? Is that in the trailer? Of oh yeah, in the it is, trailer she answers the landline yeah. phone. I a hundred percent thought we would be getting like a Zoom call yeah. or something like or. I'm kind of glad we didn't though, because Zoom calls and stuff on the horror. Just a Snapchat, really, just a really, Snapchat. I mean, that would have worked actually. Yeah, I'm kind of worried. Like all that sort of Zoom horror stuff is really kind of unfriended. Was good. I liked unfriended. Nah, I didn't like unfriended. Yeah, they're not that great. It's been done a few times now. I, feel I don't like. want them yeah. to go into it, but yeah, you'd think a Zoom call would be more likely than a landline call to a teenage girl. That is true. That is yeah. Yeah, we'll see how they. We'll see if they do, it and they're aware of what's going on or not. Um, Should just man, just uh, Snapchat's not a bad idea. Just like you know, it could be like I'm outside and f- photo of her front door, photo of her through yeah. the window, looking at her phone. Like it's like they probably know. will play into a lot of that stuff. I think sure. they're just they, the trailer's clearly like here is Drew Barrymore in 2022. Yeah, getting, this is how we do this now. Um, yeah, but you're right. Even in the fourth one, I'm kind of like home phones are kind of dying, and they're still very. Yeah. Like they've got texting, but they've still got home phones. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe in America they're more common, but I don't know in Australia. No one has them anymore. No. Um, any last thoughts? I know. I feel like we could just, I could sing its praises all day, but I don't know if there's anything, if I'd be saying anything new. Do you guys have any last thoughts on Scream? Speaking of singing, how good was it when Jerry was singing? Shut uh, up. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, um, honestly, like, they were, they were fun horror movies. Like, I enjoyed watching them. They are a movie that I could watch every couple of Halloweens, like sit down, watch some of them, or at least yeah. the first one again. Um, the first one, yeah. I could rewatch that, like, every year, hey. And as cheesy and, like, bad as some of them got, it got, like, it was a thing, like, I was always keen to watch the next one on this rewatch. Like, I was like, oh, cool, Scream 3 tomorrow night, Scream 4 the mm. next night. Like, I was keen to yeah. actually do that. Um, and I, I am excited to go watch Scream 5. We might do a review for that when it comes out. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm hoping so. Do you know any good horror books, Conan? <laughs> Funny that you mentioned that because this podcast is actually brought to you by a horror book. Yeah. Let me just pick it up here. With the taste. Oh, look at that. Two copies. Who who to thunk it? Sorry, I'll get my That's email the, email Brought to you by the novel The Taste of Iron, written by me, Stevie Clark. Grace Lawman is forced to delve into the burning hell of the Australian frontier in a hunt for justice, but only darkness awaits him. If you like Australian Gothic horror westerns, this is the book for you for Halloween or for Christmas. You can pick up on Amazon. Or Easter. A, or even Easter. Nothing says Easter like death. <laughs> yeah, pick it up on Amazon now. Um, all right. If no one else has got any final thoughts, I think we'll hold you. No, no. no. All right. Coming up next, we're going to uh, take a break from the trilogy. We're going to do something a bit more culturally relevant, and we're going to talk yeah. about Squid Game. Yeah. Yes. Now, I don't know about you guys, but have you heard of Squid Game? Little show that you know, no one's watching. Um, it's on Stan. Is it on Stan? Oh, it's, on a, Stan it's a or... documentary. It's about squids. So. Yeah. I heard that I have to watch it in English dub, though, <laughs> if I want the best acting. So. Um, if you want to get all the cultural references, definitely watch it in the English stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm very keen to talk with you guys about Squid Game. It'll be mm. great. It'll be good. Yeah. And I guess for you listening at home, this show is obviously a huge movement at the moment. 
slated to be Netflix's next biggest show. So we figured that we might as well talk about it because it is something that is, you know, everyone's talking about. So if you're keen to get our opinions on something contemporary, tune in next fortnight. That's when. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, yeah, if you like this, um, if you liked watching us tonight, you know, this is a special, but you can watch us every week on our sister, brother, mother podcast, Bonus XP, where we talk about video games. So catch us there on YouTube or any of your platforms where you like to listen to podcasts. Um, yeah, like, share, and subscribe. Tell everybody when you're trick-or-treating, leave little candies that have our details in there so you can they can like them us. at home and not choke on the paper, I guess. Think of think us, of us. trick-or-treating. Yeah. Do that. Yeah, that sounds fun. Dress as one. Um, yeah, follow us. Send us a photo. <laughs> Please do. All right. Yep. Yeah, and we'll uh, catch you next week. Hit me with the phone, dick. <laughs> Man, everything Matthew Lillard does in that scene is great. That dude. I think Scream actually destroyed Jerry O'Connell's career. Good. I, I think. Well.